As we prepare to read and hear God's word, I invite you now to read with me from the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number 60, which focuses on the doctrine of justification, that is, being made right with God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scripture alone. Therefore, I ask you, how are you right with God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ, in spite of the fact that my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned against all the commandments of God and have not kept any one of them, and that I am still ever prone to all that is evil, nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of pure grace, God grants to me the benefits of the perfect sacrifice of Christ, imputing to me his righteousness and holiness as if I had never committed a single sin or had ever been sinful, as if I myself had fulfilled all the obedience which Christ has fulfilled for me. If only I accept such favor with a trusting heart. Amen. And now let us ask the Lord for his blessing upon his word. Let us pray as we sing. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness that the light of Christ make me seem today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith speak O Lord and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity and by grace we'll stand on your promises and by faith We'll walk as you walk with us. 
Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This morning, on Reformation Sunday, we are departing from the sermon series through the book of the prophet Jonah for an occasional sermon on this occasion of Reformation Sunday. Now let us hear the word of God who cannot lie from the book of the prophet Isaiah chapter 55 beginning to read at verse 6. Let us hear the very word of God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever, and to his name be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Protestant Reformation of the 16th century was basically a back-to-the-Bible movement a world-changing revolution driven by the power of the Word of God in Scripture. When Martin Luther was asked about the spread of the Reformation throughout Europe, he said, I simply taught, preached, wrote the Word of God. Otherwise, I did nothing. The Word did it all. And what Western Europe and North America needs now, as much now in the 21st century, every bit as much as Europe did in the 16th century, is another reformation driven by the Word of God in Scripture. What Protestant evangelical congregations in America today need is a reformation driven by the Word of God in Scripture. And we most often think of the Reformation in terms of the great doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We read from the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number 60, I hope that you will keep your bulletin. I hope that you will continue to read through that question and answer throughout the week. You've got the scripture verses underneath it that support it. 
so that you can study those scriptures and seal them to your heart in personal faith. So yes, the doctrine of justification being made right with God, that, that question, how can a sinful man stand before a holy God, that was at the heart of the debate of the Reformation in the 16th century. But underneath that doctrine, there was another doctrine, there was another issue, it was called the formal issue of the Reformation, and that doctrine was the authority of the Holy Scripture. The, the power of the Word changed the world then, and the power of the world can change this lost and troubled word, world today. And we read from Isaiah chapter 55 that beautiful, magnificent passage about the power of God's Word, the efficacy of God's Word to accomplish all that he purposes. That's exactly how the Bible begins when it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. He brought light and all creation into existence by the power of his word. This passage from Isaiah 55, beginning at verse 6, begins with a call to repentance, an exhortation to seek the Lord while he may be found, an invitation to call upon him while he is near. It is a gracious call, a call to return to the Lord, a call which promises mercy and compassion to the wicked and unrighteous man. Think of that. A gracious call which promises mercy and compassion to the wicked, unrighteous man. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, full and free, proclaimed by the prophet Isaiah more than 700 years before Jesus was born. This is, this is the overall context of this passage, the promised, prophesied gospel of Jesus Christ, out of which flows these words, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, we most often interpret these words to mean that the thoughts and ways of the infinite and eternal creator of heaven and earth are so far above and beyond our thoughts and ways that we have no way of fully comprehending them. And that is true in general. But in this passage, more specifically, the Word of God here is speaking about His promise to forgive, to pardon, to redeem, to restore into fellowship even the wicked, unrighteous man. And this passage is saying that God's word has the power to effect that, to bring it about 
even though we can't understand it or explain it. You see, this was Martin Luther's problem. How can a righteous God forgive sin without compromising, undermining his perfect standard of justice? How can the perfectly righteous judge uphold his perfect standard of justice and show mercy at the same time to the same person. (laughs) Only if his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts because we could never imagine how to do that. Thanks be to God, his ways are not our ways. God executed his justice against sin upon Jesus on the cross so that all who accept Christ's suffering on their behalf, all who accept Christ's sacrifice on their behalf, all who accept him as their substitute, all who enter into a union of life with him through faith, all who look to him for their righteousness to be received as a gift, all those who place their faith in Christ, the surrender of their lives, receive the benefit of his sacrifice, the forgiveness of sins full and free, his perfect righteousness as their very own and therefore everlasting life free from the curse of sin and death. This is the promise of the gospel. Through the death of Christ, God's perfect justice against sin is is satisfied and upheld and God's rich mercy is freely poured out upon all who receive Jesus Christ by faith. Indeed, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. We could never imagine such grace on our own. This was the amazing grace which made the monk Martin Luther feel as though he had been born again and had entered through the gates of paradise. And that came to Luther through his study and meditation on the Word. The Word did it all. How does this gospel promise become a life-changing reality in the lives of sinners who otherwise would stand condemned before a holy God, their righteous judge, through the power of of the word as this passage says for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not remain there but water the earth making it bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. This is the great promise of our great God. His word has the power to bring forth 
life, eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you today know in your heart of hearts that you belong to Jesus, that his suffering and death on the cross has fully atoned for all your sins, and that you have life everlasting in him, then my dearly beloved brother or sister, you are the recipient of his miraculous, powerful work of grace through the power of his word. If you are someone who's not quite sure about that, whose heart is not really settled in Jesus with the assurance of your salvation in him, then I declare to you and urge you to believe that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for our sins. And in him, by his wounds, you are healed. if you will believe and accept Jesus Christ as the substitutionary sacrifice for all your sins. The power of the word is the power of God himself speaking in and acting through his word. It is often the case that people are genuinely converted, given true and saving faith in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit simply by reading the Scripture. Unbelievers are converted. Oftentimes, simply by hearing a verse of Scripture, reading a verse of Scripture. St. Augustine, a giant of the Christian faith, originally a notoriously immoral pagan, was converted in just this way, he, he, he haphazardly picked up a Bible and randomly opened it to Romans 12, 13, which says and spoke to him personally, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And Augustine was instantaneously converted and he became one of the greatest theologians of church history. Of course, in God's sovereign providence, it wasn't haphazard and it wasn't random, but you get the point. The word did it all. And there are numerous accounts of others who have been likewise converted simply by reading the Bible. So, again, if you're someone who's not sure where you are with Jesus, if, if you're someone who have your questions and you have your doubts and 
You're wondering, well, take up and read. Take up and read. Take up and read. For as Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And let me just say that that passage, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the vision of soul and of spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What that means is in actual, <laughs> in real life, what it means is as you read the Bible, you will discover that the Bible is reading you. That's the power of the word. Psalm 119, 130 says, the unfolding of your words gives light. And in the light of God's word, we see clearly who we are and who God is. God's word in scripture is our light in darkness, a lamp for our feet and a light unto our path. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? Psalm 119, verse 9. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. And Jesus himself in his great high priestly prayer to the Father said, Your word is truth. Your word is truth. There it is. In the Bible, God has breathed out his truth so that we might live in fellowship with him through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And in that same great high priestly prayer recorded in John 17, Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. But how can we know him if we do not know his word in Scripture. And how can we neglect so great a salvation, so great a provision for our souls? Now, I know that many, 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 many of you are indeed people of the book, and I rejoice over you, covenanters. People who believe that the Bible is the very words of God. You feed upon it, you study it, you memorize it, you seek to live your life in daily obedience to the word as a disciple of Jesus Christ down to the very details of your life. And I thank God for you. Your personal life is being reformed according to the scripture. Your marriage is being reformed according to the scripture. Your family life is being reformed according to the scripture. And I thank God for you and for the way in which he, the Lord, has honored his word in this congregation. Thanks be to God. And so today, I want to commend you for your commitment to receive, to honor, to study, to memorize, and to obey the word of God in Scripture. And I want to encourage you in that faithfulness. I want to encourage you to continue to support Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Scott and any pastor who may be called here in the future as they diligently seek and make it their priority to preach and to teach the Bible as the very word of God. That is not 
to be taken for granted. And it's a matter of life and death for your children and grandchildren. May this congregation always be a congregation built upon the rock of Jesus Christ who speaks his word by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Holy Scriptures. And by the way, whenever someone says something to you positive about the revitalization and growth of this congregation, as they sometimes say to me, I just wanna, I wanna encourage you, just remember, just remember to tell them, the word did it all. The word did it all. This is the last Reformation Sunday sermon that I will preach as an installed pastor. And so I want to leave you with that quote from Martin Luther, the word did it all. And please don't ever forget that because without the power of the word, we will have no power at all. The Holy Spirit works through the word of God. So if, so if, perhaps, if perhaps, if perhaps there is someone here today who is not feeding daily upon the word of God in scripture, if the Bible is not really at the foundation and center of your life, if the Bible is not really at the forefront of your family life, if the Bible is not really practically a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, I would now kindly and gently and graciously exhort you to repent of your sin. It is a sin to neglect God's word. And it is a grievous sin. It is a sin not to study God's word, not to meditate upon it, not to marinate your heart in God's word. It is a sin not to commune with God through his word. It is a sin not to teach your children the word of God, not to teach them to read it themselves, to love it, and to obey it with happy hearts. And it is a grievous sin not to teach them. When you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, to neglect the Bible is to neglect God himself because God has revealed himself, his will, and his way through his word. And we all know that neglect is the worst form of hatred. God calls us to repent because he loves us and wants what's good for us. 
Remember the gracious invitation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. God calls us to repent because he loves us and he wants what's good for us and the greatest good is to know him through his son Jesus Christ revealed in his word preserved for you in Holy Scripture. Because the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is that without the word of God at the foundation and forefront of your life, without the word of God at the center of your consciousness, in the depths of your being, without the word of God in your daily life, you are walking in darkness. Unless the word of God is renewing your mind, your mind will become more and more conformed to this world and its ways of thinking and living so that just like a fish in water doesn't know that it is wet, you will not know how far from God you really are. even if you're a very nice person. Bible study and meditation is not simply a matter of learning more. It's a matter of living more, living more deeply in communion with God, relying upon Him in daily life, trusting Him with your every concern, praying to him in accordance with his word and seeking to think and to speak and to act in ways that honor him as he directs your steps in accordance with his word. How can we do that if we do not know him? How can we know him if we do not know his word? Consider the incredible blessing, the wonder of wonders that the infinite and eternal almighty being who created heaven and earth and all things visible and invisible has freely chosen graciously to condescend to us in such a way so as to communicate with us in human language. He didn't have to do that. But he created the human brain and its capacity for language. He created all the languages of the world. Therefore, he speaks all the languages of the world. He can do that. And he has graciously condescended to reveal himself, who he is, what he is like, what he requires of us, what it means to live a life of meaning and purpose and to glorify him and experience the depths of his joy through intelligible human language. Otherwise, how would we know who God is and who we are and what we are here for and how to live a life which fulfills our purpose and meaning in relationship to the one who made us and to whom we are accountable? Holy Scripture is absolutely essential for knowing God and for living 
a truly human life with meaning and purpose and an eternal destiny to his glory. Do you read the Bible daily? Do you then think about a verse of Scripture that is meditate upon it, roll it around in your heart throughout the day? Fathers, fathers, do your children see you read the Bible regularly, frequently, if, if not every day at the supper table or breakfast table? Do they? Fathers, are you working with your children, teaching them, helping them to memorize Scripture, memorizing it with them, hiding it in your heart as you teach it, as you teach them to hide it in theirs? Parents, are you guiding your children, mentoring your own children, helping them to process and to interpret from a biblical Christian perspective, everything that they are exposed to now in this crazy, insane, demented, dark, hypersexualized, materialistic culture which constantly bombards them, constantly assaults your children with trivial distractions and empty entertainments and dangerous temptations. Are you mentoring your children, discipling them with God's word so that their minds their way of thinking, their hearts, their consciences will be shaped by the truth of God's word rather than by the satanic lies of the entertainment industry or godless secular education and social media and the general lostness of our post-Christian, unchristian culture right here where we live. The word of God in scripture is the difference between darkness and light in your children's minds. The word of God in scripture is the difference between good and evil in their hearts. And the word of God in scripture is the difference between blessing or curse upon their lives, their whole lives long. This is the great need of American Christianity today, the great need of the Protestant and evangelical church. This is the great need of covenant Presbyterian church. This is the great need in America today. There is no greater need. There is no greater need there is no other answer to our cultural decline and decay into darkness. There is no other answer. There is no greater need in the world today.
The motto of the Reformation in the 16th century was, after darkness, light. After darkness, light. So may it be in the 21st century. After darkness, light. And may our children and our grandchildren Declare, the Word did it all. To the glory of God, amen. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we give you thanks that you are a God who in grace speaks truth and life and blessing and joy everlasting. We pray that your Holy Spirit would so work your word in our hearts that our minds would truly be renewed and our lives transformed into greater and greater conformity to the likeness of your Son, our Savior. And may all glory, honor, and power be to you the one and only true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In response to the word of God, let us stand and affirm our faith as those in the Reformation tradition. We affirm our unity with Christians throughout history and throughout the world as we say together, that creed which expresses the one faith of the one people of Jesus Christ. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.